0: Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Market Bites. I'm Sam. And I'm Josh. And we're here to break down three of the hottest financial events that happened
1: this week, so you can keep your finger on the pulse. Whether you're on your way to work, at the gym, or wherever and whenever you have the time to get updated. So, are you ready? Let's get into it.
0: Hello everyone, welcome back for another episode of Market Bites. I'm Sam North and I'm joined by Josh Gilbert, based in Sydney, Australia. Josh, how's it going? Very good, Sam. Very good. How are you? Yeah, very well. Very well. Uh, Just while we got everyone's attention, we're not going to talk about football this week. uh, But if we get you to like, share, subscribe, all of that, it would be much appreciated. Uh, Much on recent week, Josh, much, much planned? Uh,
1: there is a rugby match tomorrow that I'm going to, which is the uh, they call it the the Origin. So it's it's oh, New yeah. South Wales versus versus Queensland. It's what I think the Aussies um sort of put as the the top sporting event in in Australia or one of the I think they call it the day the biggest rivalry in sports. Which I'm not sure I agree with, but it does certainly get the country going. Uh, that's for sure, and and divides the the states um, so for
0: non-sport
1: watchers we could be like this is twitter versus freds or something basically like that. Yeah, yeah very <laughs> very similar so it's new south wales versus queensland but it's basically the the last game but it's it doesn't matter anyway because queensland uh, uh seasons are already like yeah, winning two 0 So it's basically like if the, the Ashes, if if England were to lose the Ashes last week, which yeah. by the way is is killing me at the moment because oh. I have to stay up and watch that at a ridiculous time of the night is is really hurting my uh, my days. But there we go. At least we, at least I saw a win for for the England boys. Uh, I've stopped copying some flack for the time being here in Australia.
0: Yeah, the Ashes are like watching the Ashes is like being in a really tough trade. That mm. keeps going onside and then offside. It's like an emotional roller coaster. Uh there's part of me that's gonna be happy when it's done, just so I don't have to sit through the pain of uh the ups and downs. Um, but look, this week we're gonna focus on CPR. We've got the latest US inflation number. Um, some people would have that number one of their list of most important things this week. Others Maybe the earnings season, which kickstarts, uh, and then we'll also talk about the UK data. Hopefully, we've got some better news there, but I think it's going to be remained
1: to be seen. Um, how does that all sound? Yeah, sounds good. I say CPI probably going to going to take the headline there as the the most important factor of the week. But um, but yeah, a big week all in all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's start then with with
0: the CPI, um, the latest release from the United States. What are we expecting? How can that influence the next FOMC meeting? And I guess how might markets react?
1: Yeah, so this is a an important number, um, as we sort of just alluded to there. It, it's the last sort of major data release that that Fed officials are going to get before they go into their blackout period ahead of the meeting at the end of the month. So it's the last time we're going to hear. From Fed officials as well, which I think is is really important to, to note as well, because any sort of commentary that we get over the next week is going to be key to obviously the Fed's decision at the end of the month as as well, because we've chopped and changed a little bit, right? We we had that pause last month, then obviously it was that you know expectations of okay, we're going to see at least two more hikes with with this month being one of those hikes, but then you know some. Um, economists and analysts have have sort of said maybe we could see another pause depending on what the CPI number brings. And and the expectation is for another steep decline and a meaningful fall in headline inflation. Uh, The median consensus from economists via Bloomberg is for a fall to 3.1%. We've got a low of 2.8% and a high of 3.3%. But that's down from the 4% if it comes in at that um, that we saw last month and a reading of 3.1% would mean inflation has halved since the start of 2023 which is is pretty decent. Um shows the fed are, you know although lots of people may have uh, views otherwise you know I think it's it's fair to say that they're doing a pretty good job in in that sense. And and I think that fall in headline inflation is is obviously thanks to to energy prices so maybe we we'll, we'll, I'll take it back a little bit of that praise that I've just gave there to the fed. Um and You know, we we are obviously seeing significant progress, which obviously, as I mentioned a moment ago, was enough for the Fed to pause last month as well. But the worry, and I think the focal point for the Fed and investors is going to be core inflation. That is what is proving to be far more persistent um, than than sort of headline inflation. Uh, Expectations are for core to to sort of stay sticky around 5%, which would probably, you know, insinuate the the foot back on the gas from from the Fed with another hike. So I think if core stays in and around that number, even if headline does come in at that sort of 3.13%, I still think you're going to see the Fed hike again because core is, is where they're worried. And and J Powell has said a few times about um sort of labor markets and, and their role in, in driving core services inflation. And we obviously had June's jobs report last week and that was Weaker than expected, but it was still strong. We had 209,000 jobs Mm -hmm. added. We saw a rise in wages, and that tips the scales, in my view, towards another hike. You know, Jay Powers, as I say, alluded to that a couple of times. So I think the key takeaway to that is there's still work to do on core inflation. The Fed have done a great job, but the fight isn't over. And if it shows signs of sticking around, if they struggle with core inflation alongside A resilient labor market alongside wages that that stay high consumer spending in there as well that keeps plodding along then there is a risk that we that we see rates stay high um for for longer and i think that's probably the worry now moving forward i think we may be coming to the end of this hiking cycle um but the, the risk i think is that rates stay higher than i think markets are anticipating but for now you know it seems that the economy is in good shape all of the indicators you know we we did the sort of the q3 outlook mm-hmm. with uh with ben and callie uh, you know a couple of weeks ago and and callie alluded to a number of times about you know what she's looking at um in the economy but so far you know things are looking pretty good and and a lot of those signs are coming from the jobs market uh and i think as long as it stays that way then we're going to see the end of this hiking cycle Um, draw to a close in in the next few months and then we can start talking about rate cuts on the horizon
0: yeah yeah um you mentioned nfp that was the first time i think in 15 months it didn't beat the expected figure which is mental a run of 15 Uh, and actually speaking of 15 we've got 15 days until the next fomc meeting Uh, that is going to be of course on the 26th uh, of july so still two weeks to go we get the uh, the inflation number, we get to see how
1: earnings go. Yeah, I'm sure there's a few more twists and turns uh, along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, look, CPI is just going to just take the headlines sort of this week. And I, and I think markets might run away with a headline CPI number um, before maybe digesting what that core number means. Because if we, you know, if we get a print on that low side to say, you know, under 3%, I think markets are, are sort of really going to like it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's that's US, plenty of talk about data there, Sam. You know, what's happening back home? You know, lots going on in the UK, a big week on the data front in the UK, I think.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, I'm, uh, for those that don't know, I'm off to to Las Vegas tomorrow. Uh, oh. And I, have, I haven't got any dollars yet. Usually when I go away, I'm one of those idiots that just takes my card and gets charged for everything that I, I, uh, I buy. But actually, one thing I, I used to do in the past, which I thought was quite clever, is whenever i'd go away in a big group we'd have a meal and i'd say look boys i'll put it on my card you will give me cash and therefore it works out i get a better exchange rate from doing it that way but there's only three of us going so i don't think it's going to be too possible to do that so i am going to get some dollars and really this data can influence whether the pound goes higher or lower against the u.s dollar and actually the data is about to come out so we'll review that in in a moment live for you all but let's just preview the uh the latest earnings and employment data which is coming out tuesday morning literally right now the expected figure for the x bonus average earnings for may are showing a slight decrease from 7.2 to 7.1 on the other hand the unemployment rate is projected to stay at 3.8 which is one of those sort of historical lows for the UK at the moment so on the face of it that unemployment number you would say is pretty good it's just the impact that those strong numbers have sort of had on those expected rate hikes we've just seen the pound strength and you see the FTSE come under pressure the focus of of these uh, results is not just on the uh employment metrics but their impact that's going to have on gdp which we'll talk about a little bit later and then also the bank of england expectations so the real highlight of this release is wages you ask why well because we had some pretty impressive data in june for the april period with the highest growth rate in regular pay outside the COVID-19 period. I mean, when this data was released back then, it caused quite a stir and it had a hawkish effect on gilts when they opened uh, and indicated sort of an increased pressure for those uh, rate hikes. I mean, if you just look at your own charts or just believe what I'm about to say, the, the pound against the uh, the US dollar cable from that low that we saw in October to where it sort of traded, finished trading yesterday, it's up 24%, nearly 25%, which is is remarkable. And then on the flip side, if we look at the FTSE from its high that we had uh, in February this year to where we are, it's down 9.6%, and actually to the low, it's actually quite close uh, in a correction, more than 10%, but the the low of the year would mean uh, a 10% drop. So, yeah, some some big moves we've seen in in UK markets. Uh, We've also got to consider the associated CPI and PPI, PMI, Prints for May, which have also hinted at a Hawkish outlook. You know, in particular, May's service PMI highlighted the continued intense wage pressures in the service economy despite a slowdown in employment growth. This is an important point to note alongside the unemployment metrics. And of course, the services sector is by far the biggest. Um, I'm just going to pick a number out of fresh air, but I think it's something like 80%, which is remarkable. Uh, For the Bank of England, this is just another piece of the puzzle. Uh, It will help shape their decision-making ahead of that August 3rd meeting. So we've got a little bit more time, you know, just, I mean, one, two, three, three and a half weeks, really, until that. Uh, They'll be looking closely at this wage figure, which has just come out, and, and the June CPI, Uh, which is scheduled for July the 19th. So August the 3rd, the meeting, July the 19th, the CPI. And all of this is just going to play a crucial role in determining whether there's going to be another 50 basis point hike or maybe it's going to be a more conservative 25. The data right now, I mean, some of you already know this by the time you listen to it, but on the face of it, it doesn't look too good. The average earnings beat expectations coming in at 7.3% against 7.1%. Uh, and the pound is, is sort of just spiking higher a little bit, as you would expect, uh, better than expected. UK data, stronger data, people getting more money, spending more money, inflation's gonna not go down. And that is not what we wanna see. And therefore, the uh, Bank of England are gonna have to raise rates higher uh, to control that. So the immediate spike from the data is to the upside uh both the average earnings excluding bonus uh and the average week earnings beating expectations there so yeah not uh not the best start to the day it can of course get better because we do have some other data this week uh for gdp in april we saw a 0.2 percent month on month growth but unfortunately it wasn't enough to fully recover from the contraction we saw in march which was 0.3 uh pantheon ventures um when looking into this data set Uh, expressed their expectation of a relatively stable quarter on quarter GDP throughout quarter two. We'll have to wait to see if that is the case. Their viewpoint stems from weak consumer confidence in general and the additional impact of the coronation bank holiday. And that's one thing that I'm going to miss next year is all the bank holidays that we had in the UK uh, in May. Uh, However, may's pmi tells a bit of a different story according to their surveys there was a 0.4 percent gdp growth in quarter two following a 0.1 growth in quarter one it's interesting to note i guess that the pmis consistently suggest a stronger economic performance compared to the actual hard data um so looking ahead we've got to be cautious about the growth outlook uh, as the june pmi suggests that the economy lost momentum after a brief improvement in the spring and it's likely to continue weakening in the upcoming months particularly with signs of struggles in the services sector as mentioned that's the big one uh, for the uk uh whilst these findings whilst these data sets are obviously significant for the bank of england it's important to remember that the MPC, the monetary policy committee remain committed to addressing persistent inflation that wage number we just talked about is not necessarily going to help, help that too much um and as of yesterday you know we were looking to sort of price in peak rates at 6.5 percent uh by february 2024 if we are to get consistently strong data and especially on the wage front you know that number is probably just Going to go up uh technically 129 130 for um the the pound against the us dollar is massively important um it was sort of the the drop from april 2022 and it would be revisiting the scene of the crime the low of the year for the FTSE or near enough around seven thousand two hundred. massive massive support if i was bullish or looking to get long footsie i don't want to see it below there uh however i could understand why people look to maybe build a position around their risk reward wise so really interesting technically but also fundamentally
1: yeah and in terms of the, that that wage number it wasn't what the uk needed was it <laughs> especially not at a time when when you've got inflation at what eight i think it's eight was it eight point seven percent we're at at the moment Too Bank much. of england have raised raise rates i think 13 times in a row 14 times in a row you're saying that you know peak interest rates have Six and a half percent. I mean, yeah, that's just not what we needed. I think that you know that that that's just a huge number in in terms of, of wages, and yeah. as you say, will we'll certainly feed into inflation. And there's I mean, it's great for the consumer on one hand, um but not great from an inflation point of view. No, yeah, absolutely. I, I I'm struggling at the
0: moment to see a silver lining. Just looking at the chart, it's just uh, spiking a little bit here the pound, but it'd be interesting. I don't think it's a number that's going to send it wildly higher because you know what might be necessarily good news for the currency pair in the short term um may not be in the long term as well that's why i'm really keeping an eye on that 130 handle if we are to get there um look our final subject i mean look arguably could be the most important you know the upcoming earnings season what's expected and i guess therefore priced into markets currently uh, and then what are you looking out for
1: josh oh, we love we love earnings sound back again <laughs> yes. Back again. Back again. Here we go again. Um, yeah, as usual, um, kicks off again this week, doesn't it? Big banks Friday: JP Morgan, mm-hmm. City, Wells Fargo. They sort of are the the lead out of the gate. But we've also got Pepsi and Delta on Thursday. Yeah, I think we should change the unofficial start of earnings season to Nike. By the way, it's a big name that we sort of forget about. Nike reported last week, and I yeah. think that poor poor Nike and uh, Phil Knight are getting are getting. Uh, Left out a little bit there. So I think they should be the unofficial start of earnings season. But um, but yeah, the, the, the focus is always the banks, and the banks um are going to be under obviously a fair bit of scrutiny this time. Recently passed the stress tests, um, which is really important, actually passed those tests um tests with flying colors, most up their dividends as well. Um net interest income is is gonna be a focus point, I think, there. Um that helped lift banks in in the first quarter so that's going to be a really interesting number because a lot of analysts are worried that we've actually seen the peak in in income there and i think an, another you know focal point will be flows um in and outflows of course because you know that's especially uh key after the regional bank issues uh, that we had earlier in the year uh, and of course uh, loan growth as well not only for um you know the the business health but also for economic health as well. You know, are we still seeing people, um, you know, going, you know, using loans or wanting loans, or or are there too many people spending on credit cards? There's some nice indicators that we can keep an eye on there. Broadly, forecaster for S&P 500 earnings to decline by 7% for the quarter. But I think what's important to note with that is that there was an expectation of a huge fall similar to this in earnings for, for Q1, and we just didn't see it. So I think we'll be, you know, hoping for more resilience there. And I think if we get another resilient quarter, it's going to be good news for markets as we head into the second half of the year, but it's a big test for markets given the huge start to 2023 that we've had, you know, 35 plus percent from the NASDAQ. I think it was the one of the best or second best um, starts of the year in history um, the S and P obviously bounced off those October lows. Um, and I think guidance as usual will, will be key to that, you know, that outlook as we head into, you know, the, the second half of the year. And I think that is especially true for the tech sector, um, that has obviously led the rally this year, uh, but also saw a 10% fall in profits last quarter. So a particular focus will, will of course be on, on AI and, and how far, uh, ai is is boosting revenues um obviously for nvidia but that extends past nvidia into this sort of broader collection of of names that are jumping into the ai bandwagon but obviously nvidia well their dramatic guidance was the sort of the standout surprise from from last earnings season so that's i think probably going to be the, the key name to watch you know it has to be especially when you you're up more than 150 percent in the first six months of the year yeah. um sector specific consumer discretionary is expected to see the largest earnings growth of 27 and a half percent um obviously sort of picking back up again after you know sluggish uh year last year whilst energy is coming off the back of record uh a couple of years they're expected to see the biggest decline uh 45 and a half percent for earnings growth. So I think it's worth watching names across consumer discretionary, keeping an eye on names like Amazon as well in the in the discretionary space, uh, but also energy stocks like Chevron and Exxon uh, as well, who who might see numbers come under a little bit of pressure. I think the key to all of this, though, if we if we sort of um, you know put that all together and, and summarize it, there's just no margin for error. You know, mm-hmm. we spoke about Nvidia there, but you've got. Tesla, Meta—they've had huge starts to this year, and they need to deliver. You know, Nvidia, as I say, with that blowout forecast from last quarter, that's got to—it's got to justify its—you know, its valuation that is obviously super, super high. Tesla's margins will obviously be in focus, as we touched on a little bit last week, with with volumes obviously driving higher, um, and then even just Meta—you know, their their sort of revival, as it you know it seems after struggling so much early in twenty twenty two. And obviously, you know, we, we touched on a little bit at the start, but the recent launch of Threads, um, I saw today that it has now su- surpassed Chat GPT in the most users in five days with over a mm-hmm. hundred million new users. And that just goes to show how much of a powerhouse that business really yeah. is. And 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 just you know. How much power they have 100 million users in in five days you know even if we sort of take everything away again they had a, a tough couple of years obviously with with um with zuckerberg obviously looking to to sort of drive the metaverse and you know lots of conversations around um expenses you know operating costs you know that they, they've gone to this year of efficiency they've launched this new product and and it's certainly working You, Zuckerberg Zuckerberg's mm-hmm. had, a, had a had a great year that's for sure and and as always we mentioned it there but watch guidance you know that is what usually drives these stocks I think a couple of things to keep an eye out for which I've noticed in the the last couple of earnings season and and since the start of this year uh m conversations I think that's going to be a bigger picture uh, and a bigger conversation from companies within the next sort of six months you know we're starting to see a bit of a you know more solid economic backdrop the the sort of the idea of a recession i think is, is starting to dwindle and most now thinking that it will be that sort of slowdown that, that we've been talking about for a long time there are plenty of companies out there that, that sort of do have attractive valuations especially some of those disruptive tech names um, I think one to probably watch this time around will be Microsoft and Activision again. They're still trying to get that across the line, but those are things that move stocks. Management changes as well. Um, they're always, you know, really important for, for earnings season. We had it with Netflix at the start of this year. Uh, that moves the stock a, a fair bit and, and we get it quite a lot in Australia when, you there is any other change to executive management or board, we do see a fair bit of volatility in the stock, and of course, product launches. You know, any changes, you know, anything like threads or something like that, that that is going to be launched that can be a key catalyst for for these stocks. Um, it's a it's a time outside of investor days for companies to announce, you know, what they're doing. So that, on top of all of the the usual financial performance, that is obviously the key t- catalysts. You know, revenues, earnings, etc. Um, they will obviously drive the moves that we see. But that, that, those are some things for investors to sort of watch as we go into this earnings season. But yeah, it's going to be a very, very important one. And as I say, no margin for error from those names that have really done well this year. Yeah,
0: bring it on. Bring it on. I'm just about getting excited for earnings season, even though it does seem <laughs> like it's every week, it's the new one. Uh, but Josh, on that note, thank you uh, very much. And I'll catch you shortly. Thank you very much, Sam. See you soon. Take care, everyone. You have been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, use eToro.com.